0: Welcome to Dun & Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this podcast journey, all things Dominic Dunn. Thanks for joining me today as we continue our tour through old Hollywood and gonna take it back a whole lot of years as we delve into one of the canyons this week, Laurel Canyon. When we talk about high society as it plays in Hollywood, it is the movie stars, the producers, the directors, the glamorous people, who do form very tight-knit communities, colonies almost, very similar to the other communities and colonies we've seen develop as we've gone to other locations. Laurel Canyon does have a storied history, a lot of spiderwebs. And when Dominic and his wife and family land in Hollywood in the late 1950s, they are going to end up in a beach house in Santa Monica, before buying their home on Walden Drive over in the Holmby Hills. This area, the Holmby Hills, is a little bit closer to Benedict Canyon than Laurel Canyon. We will be getting to Benedict Canyon in short order, but as we kicked off with the Garden of Allah, Laurel Canyon is naturally the place to begin. The Garden of Allah sits at the base of Laurel Canyon, or it will when it is built. This episode is going to take us into the roots of Laurel Canyon, from the Native Americans that originally settled the area, to how the area gets developed, and then the unfolding of the community and colony within Laurel Canyon itself. Laurel Canyon will spend a significant portion of its early time as a hideaway location for movie stars and their second homes. Laurel Canyon will change that to regular ordinary people in their residences. We have changing styles and architecture and people and goodness culture throughout the decades. But there is a through line within this community. A lot of spiderwebs, maybe you'd even call them echoes. Let's investigate. Probably heard of Laurel Canyon. It does become the setting for whoa, the 1960s sexual, musical, and psychedelic heyday. But how does it shape itself to that point? Who are the players involved? What are the moves? What are the great stories? Naturally, Native Americans are the original people of the canyon. Historians believe some of the largest concentrations of Native Americans happen along the Southern California coast, which is absolutely understandable. It's a beautiful place. There's a temperate climate. would make growing things very easy. This makes a lot of sense. However, there's not a lot of archaeological evidence that bears this out. It is thought that the original tribes, at least where we're starting in the 16th century here, were the Chumash and the Tongva. They speak different languages, but everyone really seems to get along. The Chumash are seafaring people. They live along the coast of Malibu. The Tongva are a little bit more inland. Their settlements are small and go from what is now Los Angeles into northern Orange County. The Tongva are living at the base of the canyons. When I say canyons, I want you to think Hollywood Hills. Laurel Canyon, Benedict Canyon, Holmby Hills, all of that is included in the Hollywood Hills. We're talking about not a very large area. But the Tongvas, because they are living at the base of the canyons, they do have year-long access to water. They are close to a marshy floodplain. Food is abundant. The weather is there. Life is pretty good for maybe 40,000 years or so for the Native Americans and then the Spanish arrive. The Spanish, in addition to their conquest, will bring their diseases too. And the Native Americans, who had been living at the foothills of the canyon for about 40,000 years, as soon as the Spanish arrive, do not have a very high survival rate. Not just because of disease, but once the Spanish get there, They have this idea that they will take all of the people that are existing, living, and thriving in the land currently and put them to work. It is 1542 when the Spanish arrive, but the Spanish settlement within California is really kicking in by 1769 when Captain Gaspar de Portola will lead an expedition on behalf of the Spanish government in Mexico. Juan Valdez, was one of the first to settle. Juan Valdez figures out that this land is really productive for agriculture. Word gets around. So the current map of Hollywood at the time is rural. It's farmland. is divided by a number of other families who will proceed to use that land for raising cattle, growing crops, bananas, pineapples, citrus. Wineries are a thing too. Land grants, in history, land grants have a way of going south pretty quickly. There is lawlessness at this time. No rules. And the thing about land grants is you have to hold on to your territory. Weather is going to have an impact in the early 1820s. There's so much rain that's happening in that season, it causes the Los Angeles River to shift course. And make a new channel, which actually opens up a whole lot more land just sitting right there for the development of new ranches. All of this area is under Spanish control until 1821, but hey, hey, there's a revolt in Mexico. Mexico has the idea that they would like to be an independent country, and in so doing, they want to annex California. We're still land grabbing from the Native Americans, but there are fights. The United States gets involved. The United States government isn't happy with any of this. They're not down with any of the plans that Mexico has. Mexico will lose Texas as a territory in 1835, but the Spanish-speaking people of California are getting mighty nervous about this immigration of English-speaking settlers. Because by the time you get to California in the 1840s, It's time for the Gold Rush. President Polk is the President of the United States here, and he is really manifesting this Manifest Destiny idea. Governor Pio Pico from Mexico will lose this war. The battle that happens takes place right where Universal Studios is located today. California now becomes U.S. territory. This is decided by the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1848, with California becoming the 31st state of the Union in 1850, when in April of that year, Los Angeles was incorporated. It was a fantastic amount of research by the Laurel Canyon Association. I want to read a quick bit here about Los Angeles being incorporated as a city. On April the 4th, 1850, Los Angeles was incorporated as a city. At the same time, the old landowners were being moved off their lands. Compelled to secure confirmation of their land grants in U.S. courts, one out of ten of the bona fide land owners of Los Angeles County lost his land and was reduced to bankruptcy. The more fortunate rancheros finally lost their special status as Californios and were absorbed into other communities depending on their wealth and color. So, Alicia, what happens to the Native Americans? Here is a quote from Chief Seattle about the same time in 1854 with an alternate viewpoint. And when the last red man shall have perished, and the memory of my tribe shall have become a myth among the white men, these shores will swarm with the invisible dead of my tribe. And when your children's children think themselves alone in the field, the store, the shop, upon the highway, or in the silence of the pathless woods, they will not be alone. At night when the streets of your cities and villages are silent and you think of them deserted, they will throng with the returning hosts that once filled them and still love this beautiful land. The Native Americans in California, much like the rest of the U.S., really do get screwed. With the United States government now taking on California as a state, there's a whole new slew of problems. We got ranchers and miners, and the ranchers and miners just want all the pesky people out of the way of their land grab. There aren't too many Native Americans left, but the ones that are, according to the men in charge, need to get out of the way. The U.S. government, in a... Stunning move will decide to reimburse bounty hunters for the scalps of murdered Native Americans. Most of these bounty hunters are Civil War veterans that maybe are missing the thrill of the battle, and sure, why not murder our most vulnerable population? Y'all, it's anarchy. You have a lot of people hanging out in this area, none of which are getting along. You have gold hunters, fugitives from the law. Native Americans who have every right to be angry. You have ex-soldiers from the Civil War. You have farmers. You have ranchers. You have speculators. You have German Jewish merchants, too. It's bedlam, and everybody is looking out for their piece of the pie. We can't not miss out on talking about the bandits and the outlaws, too, that are hiding up in the canyon. One of these is a particularly romantic bandit. Tibercio Vasquez. Tibercio hides out in a cave up on Lookout Mountain. Vasquez becomes the like dreamy symbol of resistance to the American annexation of the state. Tibercio Vasquez is executed in 1875 that gets himself a write-up in the New York Tribune. Seriously, it's rough justice. Executions are nothing. It is anarchy. It is bedlam and it's going to stay this way for a while seems that anything goes, and it always has up in Laurel Canyon. So the name of the game now for the canyon as we move post-Civil War is going to shift from farming and ranches to business and development. H.H. H. Wilcox will establish the town of Hollywood in 1886 with his wife giving the town its name. And Wilcox has a plan, friends. He's laying out streets First of those, Prospect Avenue, most of which is now Hollywood Boulevard, and dividing out lots for sale. Here you can build a real nice home in sunny California. Homes at this time are built in Victorian Queen Anne, possibly Mission Revival architecture. Hollywood will be incorporated in 1903, and by 1910, Hollywood is integrated officially as part of Los Angeles. Not for any other reason, but water. Water is a big deal. You always got to have it, and the canyon has it, and that water needs to be shared. But families are flocking to California. It's not polluted like the East Coast cities, Laurel Canyon, and this area, the Hollywood Hills, is the land of milk and honey. But again, water problems. There's not enough of it to make it happen for everyone. Resources are going to be a big deal no matter what time of history you live in. So this is where it gets a little bit fun if you're into Hollywood real estate. Doheny Drive is a big deal. How does this street come to be and get named? I would like you to meet horse trader, geologist, and speculator Edward L. Doheny. He and a few of his friends buy some land that they know this other guy, William Mulholland, wants really, really badly. Now, William Mulholland is a self-taught hydraulic engineer, and he will found the Department of Water and Power. Doheny has a reservoir in Laurel Canyon that he owns, and that is going to become the main source of water for the Department of Water and Power. So as you're looking at a map, there you have Doheny Drive and Mulholland Avenue intersecting all right there. Now you know the origin of those two streets made very famous through current culture. But Laurel Canyon at this point is ancient caves. It's water. There's eucalyptus trees. It's pretty rural. There are a few residents at this time. Mostly before the turn of the century, Laurel Canyon is providing water to the town, local farms, sheep, There's a huge landowner up in Laurel Canyon. His name is Charles F. Harper. He will buy 480 acres dominating the actual entrance to Laurel Canyon. Charles F. Harper is a Civil War veteran who when he retires in 1895 just wants to enjoy his retirement hanging out in the canyon. This time there are very few cabins. It's not developed. You got Charles Harper and you got a few people just hanging out in the hills. One of those is Frederick Shaw. He's also known by his moniker Crazy Shaw. Old Crazy Shaw owns some acres in a place called Hermit's Glen, possibly named after himself, and Shaw likes to wander around and tell people about his ideas, science and schemes. There was a failed attempt to lock him actually in an institution that was thwarted, But this is only one example of people persevering in Laurel Canyon. Really, anything goes. This is a fantastic time to take a quick break. Hear from our sponsors this week, and we'll catch you on the other side. With Kizzik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Okay, friends, another name of note who becomes... Hugely influential in the development of Laurel Canyon. This is Charles Mann. Charles Mann is an engineer and real estate investor, and he is going to buy a lot of property along Laurel Canyon Boulevard and up into the hills. Buys it from Charles Harper. And by 1913, Charles Mann has a trackless trolley that is bringing in residents of the city and prospective buyers into the canyon that fare is 10 cents. And this trolley is just chugging folks up what will be known as Laurel Canyon Boulevard in its first iteration. Because people want to see the canyon and the development that's going on around there because, wow, it becomes really popular for the photo players. So you got the trackless trolley moving up the mountain, Bringing in folks, starting in 1913, people are coming, and Charles Mann is committed to making his fortune happen. In 1912, he is going to begin building a lavish inn at the crest of Lookout Mountain. This will be known as the Lookout Inn. It is on top of Lookout Mountain at the intersection of Appian Way. We're going to be talking a lot about Lookout Mountain and Appian Way, and the Lookout Inn, y'all, is a spectacular thing. It has views of the L.A. Basin, to the Pacific Ocean, and the San Gabriel Mountains. The Lookout Inn is designed in a U-shape. The basement has a grand ballroom, a card room, a billiard room, a tonsorial parlor, laundry, storage, and a boiler. On the first floor, you move into banquet and dining rooms, the office, the main lobby, ladies' parlors, and kitchens, and all of the upper stories of the Lookout Inn contain the guest rooms. There are 70 guest rooms, each with a private dressing room and bathroom. This is enormous at the time. All of the interiors are made of Oregon pine. There's white enamel with mahogany doors. There's not one but two passenger elevators to navigate the four floors of the inn. It has steam heat and plumbing, and electric wiring, and ice, and refrigeration. Holy cats, it has garages, and stables, and tennis courts, and golf links, too. The estimated cost of building the Lookout Inn, somewhere in the ninety dollars to $100,000 range. Charles Mann begins building the Lookout Inn in 1912, and it becomes the place where... Everybody wants to go. It's the fanciest new place. The party's happening here. People are coming to visit. Stars are coming to the area, and all the stars are hanging out here as a little hideaway. Fires are going to be a thing within the canyon. Unfortunately, the Lookout Inn will burn down in 1923. There are a few famous fires that are going to come into play in the telling of our Laurel Canyon episodes. But the site of the Lookout Inn is actually rebuilt as a homestead for Lou Ayers, the actor who first portrays Dr. Kildare. But for about a decade, the Lookout Inn is the happening place. Now, somewhere in the middle of its run, you've got Garden of Alla as a private home. You have stars coming to the area. And midway through as well, in about five years after... The trackless trolley has been built. So by 1918 or so, those trackless trolleys will be replaced by Stanley steamers. We hear this and probably think vacuums today, but these are not vacuums. They are vehicles meant for transport. A little easier to get up the mountain that way, and then along come cars and paved roads. So things are moving up in the world a little bit. Now that Laurel Canyon is a bit more accessible, it can be sub-parceled out even more. Charles Mann has a lot of building plans. And at this time, the canyon is really coming together as a community. By 1919, the Canyon Country Store is established at the base of Laurel Canyon Boulevard. You'd have to pass that to get to the Lookout Inn and anywhere else you want to go. The film industry... And all the photo players are really into Laurel Canyon. Again, anything goes there. And they're going to build second homes to get out of the city. Little places of escape, retreats. Let's go ahead and toss out a few of these names that we will be getting back to in short order. Wally Reed, Tom Mix, Clara Bow, Norman Carey, Ramon Navarro, Harry Houdini, Bessie Love. Oh, who else? Mary Astor, Orson Welles, Errol Flynn. They're building homes most often at this time in the English Tudor style, in the Spanish style. These homes are being built along Laurel Canyon Boulevard and Appian Way. But what about all the folks that aren't celebrities, right? Because Charles Mann got to make a fortune. He begins two developments. The first of these is called Bungalow Land. There is a log cabin roadhouse at Bungalow Land with a bowling alley in the basement. It's built kind of as a reception area lodge type building for folks coming to see all these tracks of possible land in bungalow land. This log cabin roadhouse does have a storied history. Promise we're coming back to it. There's so many layers to Laurel Canyon. Charles Mann and his partners are going to begin another development called Wonderland Park. I think it's only fair to mention here that Charles Mann and all of his investors do want to limit ownership to white men. This is not equal opportunity housing. If you were white and wealthy and male, you could get away with just about anything in Laurel Canyon, and they're going to start selling that tract housing which becomes a thing in the 1920s and 1930s. This isn't just Hollywood star hideaway homes, little vacation retreats. Now you have regular folks who think that, hey, it might be nice to live in Laurel Canyon. These homes are more modest. They are built for regular people, maybe people who support the film industry. But what you see are Vacation homes turning into primary residences. And by the 20s, Laurel Canyon is a community. You have a one-room schoolhouse. You have a newspaper called the Canyon Crier. You've got the Canyon Country Store. You have restaurants. You have the Tavern Inn. You have the Lookout Inn. It's all happening. Bunch of hidden bungalows tucked around. Maybe you also have some pretty good hideouts for drugs. Drugs sex work. Really, it's an eclectic area. Just about anything goes. By the time we get to the 1940s, Kaiser has built a steel mill, and now even more folks to gain work are coming to California. This is a land of opportunity. The building of homes during this period will take wartime into effect. We're looking at high-efficiency, low-cost housing, working into some different materials, maybe domes or steel frames. But the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, building is consistent, although building and architecture changes a bit. It's going to stay pretty paced until the 40s. And here we ask ourselves, at what cost progress? Because in the 40s, there is a highway that's going to come in right through Laurel Canyon connecting one side of Hollywood from the Sunset Strip up and just right over the mountain into the valley. And Laurel Canyon, because of this new highway cutting through, becomes way less isolated. Development really is going to pick up a notch here. In 1945, the editor of Arts and Architecture magazine, his name is John Intenza, is going to have a competition. And he wants to build case study houses in the modernist movement. He's looking for totally modern designs. How do we take advantage of the location of the home? How do we connect the land to the home itself? What are the views? What does the light look like? Where would that light happen throughout the day? Many of these particular case study houses are still existing within Laurel Canyon. In the 40s as well, the Army Air Corps is going to build Wonderland Park Avenue. This becomes a Hollywood location for making training films. It carries out work for the Department of Defense, really located very well for kind of a lookout for the military as well. Wonderland Park was deactivated, as a military complex in 1969, and turned into a residence. Believe that home the last time I checked is owned by Jared Leto. Goodness. Let's see, 1948. uh, Robert Mitchum is busted for smoking a little pot in the canyon. The Los Angeles Police Department will tell the Los Angeles Times that the canyon was, quote, ideally situated to be a reefer resort. It's perched on a hillside with no near neighbors and well-screened by shrubbery. Again, anything goes. 1950s. Now we got the beat generation. And L.A. is home to a whole lot of coffee houses, a whole lot of jazz clubs. Poets, artists are all coming to the canyon. Throughout the 1950s and 1960s, Because it's not just poets and artists coming to the canyon. You have a whole new crop of Hollywood stars. Marlon Brando, Natalie Wood, James Dean. So the 50s and 60s, whoa, increased development. You have development housing being built on any site you can build on. Off-the-shelf plans become a thing. You're looking for low-cost homes. It's a convenient and desirable area. It's affordable to build. You have some subdivisions. And there's a lot of quirky and eclectic that has already happened in Laurel Canyon, but it's going to get more so. The 1960s and the 1970s are going to host a whole different kind of scene in Laurel Canyon. It is the mecca. I know we all hear about San Francisco and hate Ashbury. If you're not in San Francisco, you are in Laurel Canyon if you belong in that scene. You're in one or the other. Sometimes you bounce between the two. Laurel Canyon is a veritable who's who of music. Goodness, let's see. David Crosby, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Carol King, J.D. Souther, Linda Ronstadt, Leon Russell, Chris Hillman, Alice Cooper, Stephen Stills, John Mayall, Nico, Leonard Cohen, Judy Collins, Peter Tork, Pamela DeBar, and her band, Girls Together Outrageously. They hang out with Frank Zappa for a while. Goodness, John and Michelle Phillips, Denny Doherty, and Cass Elliott, too. Who else comes in? Don Henley, Glenn Frey, Jackson Brown, Jimmy Webb, all the members of the Animals, and the Turtles, too. By the 70s, you get John Lennon staying for an extended period of time in the canyon as well. He will spend his lost weekend with May Pang that takes about two years in Laurel Canyon. Now, I want to remind you, like, why would this area be so attractive to this set of people? Just want you to know at the bottom of the Hollywood Hills, you have Ceros, You have the Whiskey-A-Go-Go that opens, which these two clubs are even closer than the Troubadour. So it's super easy to go play, test out your new music and then just head a mile on up the hill to go home. If you're not playing your new music down at Whiskey A Go Go or Ciro's or another one of the clubs that are fruitful along Sunset Boulevard, then you're walking around with your guitar and going to your neighbor's house because he's in a band too. It is a flourishing of ideas in this community and colony just in a different way than it was throughout the decades that came before it. There's an explosion of things happening in this era, in an area so influenced by what's come before. The 1980s is going to have its fair share of stuff happening in Laurel Canyon as well, including the Wonderland murders in 1981. All of this takes place in a very tiny area. 1990s, more development. California sees a lot of changes in their real estate market. You have some of the older homes in Laurel Canyon in the 90s ripped down and rebuilt. You have some homes restored, much like the 50s with all the new Hollywood stars going to the canyon in the 1990s. You have something very similar. Everybody wants to be in the canyon. Today, real estate prices are premium in Laurel Canyon. Not a lot of land left undeveloped, There are some beautiful homes, some very normal homes. Many of these homes are locations of key events in the history of Hollywood that we will come back and begin to explore in our next episode. We have so much more coming. We are going to be touring around Laurel Canyon and meeting many of the players I've mentioned in this story, going to many of the streets I've mentioned in this story. And we're going to be connecting Laurel Canyon Community Colony together over the next few weeks. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. want to give just a quick mention, if you are still into our East Coast world, we are prepping for our first book club, which happens on May 21st. We're going to be reading Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote with lots of associated bonus episodes We've got an expose on the Stork Club coming this week. Patreon is where you'll get early and ad-free episodes in addition to bonus episodes, invitation to book clubs. There's a lot of fun happening over in that community. If you want to go check that out at patreon.com slash done And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today, for your kind emails, for your reviews. Your support for Done and Done is Truly magnificent. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you all. And to thank you, I want everybody to stay tuned this week. You know I'm not going to set you up with all the basics and then not deliver a double done week for you this week. These stories are too good to make you wait a whole week for more dish. Stay tuned a little bit later in the week for a extra surprise done and done coming for you. Again, many thanks. Until we meet again, stay curious. Keep on investigating. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done Podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.